So I'm teaching on faith. Gets real personal now, don't it? Personal. Teaching about faith. Talking about how to experience God and trust God for miracles in the middle of miserable circumstances. Now we've been using as our verse during this series, Hebrews the 11th chapter verse 6. That says, and without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards. Everybody says rewards. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we're looking for some fabulous rewards as we seek God and trust God through our trials and tribulations. Now, as a subset of that, we've been looking at Daniel, the third chapter. The story, the account of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three guys with weird names, uh, who were believers in, in, in Jehovah and uh, the king of uh, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, makes this big statue and says everybody has to worship this statue and these guys, they won't do it. The king calls them in and says, listen, if you don't do it, I'm going to throw you alive into this fiery furnace. And this, you know, if you study and read it all about Nebuchadnezzar, he was nuts. I mean, he literally goes nuts for a while. Uh, but he was, he thought nothing of killing people. When he said he's going to throw you in, he's not bluffing. This guy is nutso crazy and rules with a rod of iron and fear and terrorized the world, the kingdom in which he reigned. So they knew he wasn't kidding. Said, if you don't worship, I'll give you another. The thing is, he gave another shot, which was amazing. He even did that because, as I told you last time, he liked these guys and get the tape if you missed it. So anyway, so he gives them another chance and they said, no, no, don't worry, king. We're not going to bow. You don't need to give us another chance. And they make what I believe is one of the most profound statements of faith in the Bible and three major points that they hit on in this statement that we're going to be teaching on throughout the series and we read it in Daniel the third chapter they look at the king and say listen if we are thrown into the blazing furnace the God we serve is able to deliver us from us God can do it number two he will deliver us from your majesty's hand and number three even if he does not we want you to know your majesty we will not serve your God's or worship the image of gold you have set up. Three incredible statements. Number one, God can. Number two, God will. And number three, even if God doesn't, we will not bend, we will not bow, we will not serve your God. Now, we talked about, number one, the fact that God can. We live in a world today where people say, oh, God can't do it. There's no God. Uh, and as bizarre as that is, it's a world that believes anything's possible. You know, we talked about, even about science fiction, you know, they, they, you know, you know, Jesus can't raise people from the dead and, and heal people, but in their stories, little green aliens can. You know, that's totally reasonable. If you're green, of course, that can happen then. I mean, just craziness, you know? Uh, God can't create the world in six days. Ha, 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 But if you watch Star Trek, there's, you know, the Genesis machine that can create a whole world in 15 minutes. It's not that they can't believe these things can happen. They just don't think God can do it. Because they hate God. But I got news for you. God can do anything. There is nothing impossible to God. So number one, if you're going to stand in faith, number one, you got to believe God can. Now I got to believe most of you in this room believe God can or you wouldn't be sitting in this room. You believe in the God who can do anything. Where a lot of you struggle, where a lot of you trip, a lot of you have a hard time is point number two, that God will do it for me. I believe God can for somebody else. I believe Jesus did 2,000 years ago. I think he will in the future and all kinds of stuff. But 
getting to the point where he will for me. Now, this is major. You've got to take the God of the can and make it into the God of the will for me. Because that is a major statement of faith. Now, to show how this plays out, I want to take another <laughs> insert. We're now into a third story <laughs> as we're backing up the original verse. But uh, we'll come back to Daniel. Uh, but I want to turn to John, the 11th chapter. This is the account of Lazarus. Uh, John 11. Now, verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Do you remember that? This lady comes. We don't really know who it is. Jesus is at the table. And she comes and she takes this expensive perfume and she pours it on and she wipes it with her hair. And she's crying. She's just so repentant and so, so wanted to get right with God. And, and the religious people just had a fit. Said, who is this lady? Ew, ew, ew. Cooties. Ew, who is she? And, and what a waste. You took all that and you wasted it on Jesus. And make no mistake, people, when you take your time, your money, your energy, and point it and pour it out on God, people think you're wasting. But they don't get it. See, when you get to meet Jesus, it's no waste. No waste here at all. So anyway, this is the lady. So now we don't know this. Now we know now because we read this account. Apparently, Jesus, it is just this, this no-name lady, he gets to know her. Gets to know her, gets to know her family, her sister, her brother. And he becomes very, very close friends with them. And in particularly, her brother, Lazarus. He loved this guy. In fact, they referred to him as the one Jesus loved. Uh, so the sisters send word to Jesus Lord, the one you love, Lazarus, is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he quick grabbed a flight out of Austin Straubel Airport, and he flew over there right away and laid hands on him and healed him. Hallelujah! Is that what it says? No, he says, when he heard he was sick, and he knew what was going on, he stayed where he was two more days. Do you know why? He was waiting for him to die. He's waiting. Sometimes people say, "What, well, Pastor? You talk about faith, and, I do it, and we're trying to trust God, but why doesn't God show up yet?" Well, one of the reasons might be he's waiting for things to get worse. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> oh man, it's going to be bad. He's, he's waiting for things to get worse. Yes, sometimes God intentionally waits so things really get bad for you. Why? So that when he shows up, first of all, assuming you get in a place of faith, when he shows up, you know it's God and it isn't you, and it isn't luck, and it isn't something else. Do you hear me? <coughs> Don't think God has abandoned you. Sometimes he's just waiting until things really bite in your life. Not fun, but that's the truth. So he intentionally waits. Uh, for two days. And then he says to the disciples, after waiting, he says, okay, now let's go to Judea. 
Now, they didn't want to go to Judea because his disciples, the last time they were in Judea, they tried to kill him, kill Jesus, the locals. They said, they reminded him, Rabbi, a short while ago, the people over there tried to stone you. And you want to go back? And Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in the daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. He's talking in parables, talking about, look, God knows what's going on. I see what you cannot see. They don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> After he said this, he went on to say, okay, listen, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. And I'm going there to wake him up. And they said, well, Lord, if he's asleep, good. That means he's resting now. He's going to get better. The fever's broke. Whatever he was sick of is going to good. And, and, but Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. And then he finally tells them, guys, Lazarus is dead. Oh. Okay, I understand that. And he says, for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Why? Because he says, if I'd have been there, I'd have healed him. But I intentionally waited. Because you're about to see something's going to fry your brain. But they don't know what he's talking about. Lazarus is dead. Now let's go to him. And then Thomas, also called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, a great statement of faith. Okay, let's all go and die. Let's all go die with him. And Thomas is a bummer. For heaven's sake. Now, this had nothing to do with Lazarus. They don't know what he's talking about. They don't really care what he's talking about. They don't want to go to Judea. The last time they went to Judea, they tried to kill him. And when he says, come on, we're going to Lazarus. Okay, come on, we might as well all go die. <laughs> you know, you always got those people, man, in your life, don't you? The people who really encourage you. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, we all going to die around you. Good Lord, if you think like that, stay away from me. <laughs> And by the way, we appreciate the compassion and the empathy and stuff, but there's two kinds of people. There's people who come up and say, man, I'm sorry for it, but I feel for it, but we're trusting God for it. We're believing God. We want that. We want to hear that. We want all the prayers in the world. But if you're a negative person, man, don't come up to us. We don't want to hear you. I remember the last time my wife had cancer, and I announced it in church. This was years ago. And God turned that situation around gloriously. We had people come, one guy, because I mean, yep, my wife had that too. She died. She's just dead. Yeah, that's what happens. They get in there, she's dead, they just die. What you going to do? You're just dead. <laughs> Stay the heck away from me! Come up to me prophesying doom and gloom. I'll tell you what, but you'll find them, man, no matter what your circumstances in life. Some, it'll shock you. Some of the people who are the most, you would think would be the most supportive and most encouraging will be the biggest poop heads in your life. <laughs> and they will rain on your parade. And you're trust, trying to trust God, and they're just telling you, oh, it's going to be horrible, it's too bad. You know, you probably deserve it, you know. But, but, you know, God probably hates you, you know. And most of us hate you, so God's got to hate you. You know, so it's got, you know man, there's always somebody like that. You let stay away from me. Good old Thomas. Real word of encouragement there. Well, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the dead. Now, by the time he got there, now he's been dead for four days. Four days. I mean, this boy is dead, dead. Seriously dead. 
You know, not Princess Bride, mostly dead. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Mostly dead. He's not mostly dead. He's totally dead. And Jesus does this on purpose. Why? To prove that nothing is impossible. Because you, you know, there were people who were around Jesus, they would die, something like that, and then he'd come and he'd raise them from the dead. But you know, people didn't believe it. And you know, come on, y'all just got to admit it. If Pastor Lathan right now falls over dead, dead, dead as a doornail, cold stone dead. <laughs> I'm not prophesying to you, brother. I'm just saying as an example. If he dropped over and he's just as dead as you can possibly be. And one of you doctors or nurses come on, usually, and he's dead. Oh, yeah, he's totally dead. And I jump down here and say, in the name of Jesus, come on. And he sits up, 98% of you go, oh, he, he probably just had gas or something. You know. <laughs> you, you know it. Don't lie to me. I know you sinners. You know you wouldn't believe it. You would think, oh, he probably just passed out. You know, you're preaching so long, we are going to die if you don't shut up eventually. <laughs> And he preaches so if you just preach shorter, people wouldn't be dying. You know, you, you would have all kinds of explanations. You know that's true. And you know there were people that Jesus raised from the dead that just had died, and uh, people probably, oh, it's probably just hot. It's just, it's just hot outside. He just fainted or something. You know that for a fact. So Jesus, he waits. It's four days. He's totally, completely, and without doubt, dead. What was that? The Wizard of Oz, that little guy comes and he pronounces, he's most completely dead. You know, anyway. So, <laughs> I don't know why you come to this church. So anyway, don't look at me in that tone of voice. Okay, so now, so he's four days, completely, totally totally dead. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many of the Jews, the local people, came to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Why? She's probably ticked off. She's probably mad. I sent for you days ago. I told you, come. You didn't come. And she's mad. Now, Jesus doesn't yell at her about it, you know, but, and I've heard people preach and say it's okay to be mad at God, and I don't know. You can do with that. Me, I, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> oh, seriously, he's God. You're mad at God. I don't think you got quite the vision of who you are and who he is. Okay, he is God. You are a flea on a camel's behind compared to God. <laughs> and for the flea to be yelling at God, that's, that's a little creepy, okay? But anyway, Jesus didn't yell at her. So she doesn't know. She stays back. Martha shows up and says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. I know that now God will give you whatever he has, but if you had just, just been here. See, these are the people, they know God can, but he won't now, you see. It's too far now, pastor. And I know God could have saved my marriage, you know, if we'd have gotten this right seven years, but it's too late now. I know God could have answered our prayer for our finances, you know, if, if something would have happened, but now, you know, the plant closed and, and we lost a job and the economy's horrible and, and just, you know, it, it, you can't do it now. You know, I, you know, Debbie, she caught it early. They didn't catch mine early, you know, so it's, God can't do it for me now. I know we can, but, but they can't get to the he will. 
The God of the can will do it for me. And sometimes we almost comfort ourselves in justifying the fact that we can't grasp any will by syllogism. Well, I know you can or you could have. She says that to Jesus. Jesus looks at her and says, your brother will rise again. Oh, I know he'll rise in the last day. You know, you could have here, and you can here. But will you hear? She couldn't grasp that. I know, I know in the last day it'll be great when everything's right and the resurrection, everyone's going to be raised from the dead. Then it'll be raised from the dead. And Jesus looks at her and he says, I am the resurrection. Whatever it is you think you need today, you need to know something. Jesus says, I am that. So I need money. He says, I am money. I need health. He says, I am health. I need peace. I am peace. Reminds me of when Moses was getting ready to go, because God told him to go to the Pharaoh and tell him, let the people go. And, and Moses, he doesn't know what's going on. He says, who are you? I mean, he's talking to a bush. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to cut him some slack. You're talking to him. So go tell him I said, oh, okay. Who are you exactly? And he says, oh, I'm God. Well, what's your name? And he says, you tell him, I am sent you. I am. I am whatever you need. I am anything you think you need to have. Whatever you're facing and you think it can't be done unless you have, I am that. That's who God is. She says, oh, yeah, I'm the resurrection. She says, hey, 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 I am the resurrection. That's powerful stuff. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives in me by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. I don't know if she really knows what she's saying. But I believe you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who's to come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called for her sister Mary. Come on, Mary, he's here. He's asking for you. Mary finally gets up and she runs quickly to go see him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village but was still in the place where he first ran into Martha and the people, the Jews there who had been with Mary in the house comforting her saw how quickly she got up and went and they said, well, she must be going to the tomb. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Again, where were you? He could have said, I was waiting for it to get worse. But she's crying. He doesn't even try to say anything to her. He sees her crying. The Jews had come along also crying. He was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Where have you laid him, he asked. They said, well, come and see. And then the shortest verse in the Bible. If you're ever in a game show, And you're about to win $1 million. And you're going to give 200000 of that to the church. Hallelujah. <laughs> but you're a, <laughs> At least 100 grand, that's tithing. But then you've got to give a little extra, you know. So. If you're about to live $1 million, and they say, here's your question. What is the shortest verse in the Bible? You go, oh, I know that. Because my pastor preached on that one. That's Luke 11:35. Jesus wept. 
and then send us a check. All right. I said, Luke, did I say, what did I say? It's John. Oh, no, you lost. You didn't win the money. Oh, no. Oh, no. They go, ah, sorry, wrong. No. There goes our 200 grand, man. I was going to do something for missions with that money. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I ramble like this. Okay, so going on. Where am I? I'm lost now. I don't even know where I am. 35. Jesus wept. Okay. So he cries. Now, stop it. The son of the living God. Everybody's crying. Now he's crying. So why is he crying? Sometimes you cry. Sometimes this stuff hurts, man. It's sad. It's, it hurts when you go through hard times. God understands that. It's okay to cry. We've cried. We don't want to do this. We don't want to do this. If anybody else can do it for her, let me know. <laughs> but nobody can. Sometimes you cry, it's okay. Sometimes life is tough. Sometimes it's hard. But while it's okay to cry, always understand, that's not faith. It's okay to cry, but that's not how you get a miracle. If crying got miracles, man, everybody would have a miracle. Because everybody everywhere is crying. But Jesus cried with them. They looked at him and said, wow, he really loved this guy. And some of them got on the where were you bandwagon and said, but could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Where was he? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. He said, hey, take away the stone. And Martha says, no, 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 Lord. Lord, by this time there is a bad odor. He stinketh. He's been in there four days. He's completely and totally smelly dead. Sometimes life stinks. Sometimes you cry. That's okay. Look, I got more bad news for you. I'm glad y'all came to church today. I got my, y'all gonna die. All y'all gonna die. Look at the guy next to you. Look at him, go ahead, look at him. Say you're a dead man. Okay? You're all going to die. Everybody dies. It's just a matter of when and how. I hope the when is after 100 years. I hope the how is in my sleep. Because I am a girly man. And I do not like to suffer. I just want to wake up in heaven. Woo! Sometimes you cry. Sometimes it stinks. Sometimes it's just... Where was God? But it's never too late. It's never too late. Jesus said, didn't I tell you if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looks up to the Father. He says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew you always hear me. I just said it for the benefit of the people standing here so they know, so they may believe you sent me. And when he said this, he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now I hope I hope there's instant replay in heaven because I got to see this. They're all staring at Jesus. He's praying. And he's praying intentionally just so that they could hear him pray. And they're all looking at him. And what is he doing? And he's got the thing and it stinks and it reeks. And he says, Lazarus, come out. Everybody had to go. 
to see what happens next. Okay, he has everybody's attention. And the Bible says the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen. He's got to be hopping. He's got to look like the mummy. He comes out and everybody had to go, ah, I mean, what do you do if you see that? That's got to freak you out. I, mean, I know about you. I'm at a funeral and someone starts knocking on the inside of the casket. I am out the back door. <laughs> you know, somebody goes, hello, y'all. Ah! <laughs> that is just amazing. And the Bible says many who were there believed in Jesus. I'll bet. <laughs> But you know what the kicker is? The Bible says there were people there who saw it and still did not believe. In fact, it was this event that really got the plot going to crucify Jesus. Because the Bible says the religious people who saw it went back and reported what had happened and said, we have got to kill him. You see, faith... It's really a matter of the heart. If you're inclined to believe and something positive happens, that just builds your faith more. But you could see Jesus raise somebody from the dead. And if you've got a cold heart, man, you still aren't going to believe. It won't matter what you see. Jesus said, take off the grave clothes, let him go. And they let him go. Pastor, that's cool. I think it's one of the most amazing miracles in the Bible. This Lazarus. Cool story. Yeah, but you got to be dead first. See, we forget that. We're about to read what happens to these three guys that get with the fiery furnace. What happens to them? Wait to see what happens to them. You know, there's tough stuff. We read about Paul and these guys in jail and God shows up, sets them free from jail. Yeah, but we've got to get in jail first. Don't let bad, smelly, seemingly things getting worse rob you of your faith. Because I promise you, the God who can will. And we're going to be on this will for a while. I'm going to show you how you say, well, Pastor, I, I, that's, I'm struggling. I don't know. I, I, how do I get to the will? I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you from the Bible how you can get the can into God will for me. So we're just getting started. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, your truth. Thank you that you love us. Lord, you died on the cross, not just for everybody. You did it for me. You're the God of the individual. Whatever it is we think we need today, we know that you are. Help us to get our focus on you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite ushers if they would come as we prepare for communion this morning and as our worship team returns back on stage. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. How many of you remember, maybe you as a young child were taught a prayer and before 
you would sit down with the family to eat and you'd say a little prayer. I remember being taught the prayer and it went something like this. Of course, I changed it a little bit, the last part of it. We've been talking about, Pastor Mark's been talking about faith and having faith. Faith in a God who can and a God who's able to, willing. Do you remember that prayer? Maybe you prayed, God is good, God is great. And then my part to that prayer was, help me have the biggest plate. (laughs) And hopefully while everybody's head was down, I would reach up and get some extra French fries and put in my plate to make sure I had the biggest plate. Well, the first part of that prayer was very true. God is good. God is great. And you know, our faith that we've been talking about, that Pastor Mark's been teaching on these few weeks, is based on these two facts. God's goodness. You see, because of God's goodness, because that's who He is, because that's the very nature of who He is, He has provided a way for you and and for me to experience salvation, to experience, to be saved, to experience God's love for us because of His goodness, because of His goodness. And God is great. He is able. His greatness declares that He is able to forgive us of our sins able to forgive us and set our lives free from sin. God can do all things. Our faith is based on God is good and God is great. In that passage of scripture that Pastor Mark read in John, the words of Martha were, as Jesus spoke to Martha and said to her, The one who believes that I am the resurrection and the life, the one who believes, the one who has faith and believes in me will live even though he die. And then he asked those a question there that I believe he's asking you and me this morning as well. This question, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that only through him And what he did for us on the cross when he shed his blood, that he is a God of goodness and a God of greatness, that he is able to forgive you of his sin. Do you believe this? Because if you do this morning, you can experience that salvation, that freedom from sin, that being salvation faith that we can walk in this morning. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to pray a very simple prayer after me. I'm just going to encourage all of us, and we're going to pray together. But there's going to be someone here this morning, someone in our service this morning, maybe a number of people. They're going to pray that prayer for the first time from their heart, and they're going to start their walk of faith this morning because they realized the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, is nudging you, touching your life right now, and helping you to understand that it is saving faith, it is having faith in God in what he has done, what Jesus did for us on the cross. Do you believe? Because if we believe that we will live and not die. So would you bow your heads with me this morning? I'm going to invite you to just pray this simple prayer. Simple prayer with me this morning. And just repeat it after me. And again, if you're praying it this morning for the first time, God's promise is that he comes forgives us of our sins. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We start this walk with God, this walk of faith that we can grow in and get established in. So would you just repeat these words after me? Say, dear Lord Jesus, something in my heart tells me I need you. 
I now confess my sin and repent of my sin and by faith ask you to come into my life as my Savior and as my Lord. Amen.